Check, 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 check. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to episode number 44 of In Killing Color. Today, we're going to take ourselves across the ocean to the UK. And this is the older case. This is from the 80s early 90s and we're going to talk about a young girl named Sharon Louise Carr I'm sure a lot of people have not heard about her Um, she's a little more prevalent over there because of what happened but after the end of this episode you'll know exactly about Sharon and her shenanigans and all these things so let's get to it These are their stories. So, Sharon Louise Carr, she was born on December 21st, 1981 in Belize. The only reason I'm even talking about her, because you know I don't do that, I'm talking about her because her daddy was Jamaican. So technically, I can still talk about her, okay? I can technically talk about her. So <laughs> she was brought up by her mom and her stepfather. Her dad didn't have one, had nothing to do with her. She had three siblings, and everybody had a different daddy. So Sharon did not know who her biological father was, but we did find out about who he was later on. Who is that? So they said her childhood was not pleasant. She was, her and her family were very poor, and she often didn't have a lot of food and things like that. So, you know. It's life. That's just some people's life. It just is what it is. Her stepfather was a heavy drinker, and he would abuse his her mama and the kids often. Sharon's mom, Molly, was then frequently very aggressive to the kids because I'm sure she couldn't take it out on Buddy. So she had to get that anger out somewhere. So she took it out on the kids. It happens. You hate to hear it, but it does happen. So in the early 80s, Sharon's mom met a man named George Carr, Like I said, he was a Jamaican soldier who was in the British Army. They fell in love. Then they got married in 1986, and they decided to move to England, which is how he ended up changing their name, so that's why Sharon got Carr's last name. But anyway, that's not a big deal. We don't care about that. The family settled down in a place called Camberley, and Sharon started school there. They said that Sharon was a really sweet girl at school, and one teacher described her as being obliging and kind. So very docile. It's giving. No one knew that at some point in the next few years that Sharon would actually become Britain's youngest female killer, still to this day. So Sharon started to hang out with a group of kids, of course, who were a bad influence because that always happens. They got her into stealing, buying, and selling drugs. And she was smoking weed on a daily basis by the age of 11. And what they not, it's, I hate when they always mention something about smoking weed because y'all act like weed make people kill people. No, it don't. Unless it got some other stuff in it. <laughs> As my producer puffs on his pen currently. <laughs> Unless the weed got something else in it, like a little fentanyl, a little, little formaldehyde, a little something. It ain't, it's weed, okay? It's a little bit too much, but it's just weed. So... At that point, Sharon also 
started taking an interest in weapons, so she started carrying a knife in her bag. Sharon's stepfather said he grew tired of all the drama, and he said, fuck y'all, I'm out. He went to Sharon's mom one last situation for one last confrontation situation. And my, his mom, her mama got so mad that she poured a pot of boiling oil over the top of George's head. It's giving Al Green grits to the lap. Oh, you thought you was leaving me with all these kids? I don't fucking think so. Boop. Both of the parents ended up going to the hospital because she got burnt too because... You tossing oil, something going to fly back. So you probably got burnt up too. Sharon's mama was charged with assault and they severed the marriage through the court. They didn't even have to do none. The court said, y'all done. The court ordered Molly, which is Sharon's mom, to receive mental health for three years. And for that, this was, that was the kind of aggression and abuse that Sharon saw every day that was pretty much normal for her. So she wasn't, they said that, when she saw that, she wasn't upset. She wasn't shocked. She wasn't despite, like shocked. She was just like, mm. <sighs> okay, well. And she said that, they said that when Sharon was interviewed by the police about that incident, that Sharon was like, oh, mm, I don't think she did anything wrong. I mean, she didn't. In the words of Chris Rock, <laughs> I may not agree, but I understand. Okay, I do understand. Now, at which point around the age of 11, Sharon did start practicing voodoo, which was introduced to her by her mother. Her mother taught Sharon rituals that required sacrificing animals, and her mother claimed that she had supernatural abilities. She had the ability to gain authority and control over people, and she started reciting certain prayers and certain things at a certain time to harm people. So... Sharon changed really, 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 really drastically um, around the time she started going to secondary school. And then around that time, her mom had came back from being her little therapy thing she had to do. And then her mom met a new man and she started dating him. He was like a day laborer. He had two other daughters from a previous relationship. So he moved in too. Boop. Next man moved in with two more kids. So that's five. Now the first year of secondary school for Sharon went really good. She joined the basketball team. Everybody thought it was cool. It was straight. But <clears throat> in the early hours, in the morning of June 7th, 1992, when Sharon was 12 years old, Sharon fatally stabbed an 18-year-old hairdresser named Katie Ratcliffe as she was leaving a nightclub called Ragamuffins. Sharon used a six-and-a-half-inch knife to repeatedly stab her puncturing her ribs, heart, vagina, and her actual anus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ribs, heart, cooch, asshole. Yeah. And to top it all off, Sharon didn't even know who Katie was. She didn't even know who she was. She just did it. So after the assault, Sharon and some of her friends took Katie's body and drove it through another town where they dragged it along a road before being thrown in a nearby cemetery. 
the body was discovered by a group of boys who was just walking around. They was like, what the fuck? Dead girl on the side. So Katie Ratcliffe, like I said, she was an 18-year-old lady who was trying to be a hairdresser. You know, she wanted to have her own salon, everything like that. So she had broken up with her boyfriend, and she was really upset. So her friends were like, hey, let's go to the club. You know, because that's what we do. Go to the club when we get upset. She was having a night out with her friends, had a little drinks. Because, you know, over there, you can drink at 18. So it's like, hey, let's go outside. So when she gets to the club, she sees her man in the club. And she thought they was going to get back together. So she went over to him and was like, oh, my God, I feel like we should get back together. And he was like, nope. So that's when she got mad, left the club. And the next day, that's when the boys found her body on the side. So in essence, it was the man's fault. I'm joking. I ain't going to do that. I ain't going to do that. I'm not going to do that, but it was, though. Um, yeah. So Katie's parents came down later, and they had to identify her body. And then the postmortem report said that she was stabbed 32 times. 32. 32. The police were curious to know how she ended up in that city when she was last in a nightclub in Camberley. Now, you know, I don't know how different location, how far apart they are. I don't know. But it's a different town, but it's on the border of Chamberlain. So the police searched the cemetery. They couldn't find anything, any leads, any evidence, nothing. So because of the brutal nature of Katie's murder, and she was also found naked, the police thought that it was a sex crime. And they believed the killer was a man in his 20s and 30s. So at that point, they interviewed over 500 men. 500. Her ex-boyfriend, of course, was questioned because he was the one that last saw her alive. And he was all sad and been out of shape saying, if I only had taken Katie home, she would be alive today. That will haunt me for the rest of my life. But no, you dumped her and then saw her in the club and rejected her again. You always be remorseful after the fact. You wasn't remorseful when you were telling her to get up out your face, were you? Nope. So at this point, the police were searching for a fully grown man, and that's it. Nobody was looking for 12-year-old Sharon, were they? Nope. They was not. So after a while, the case just decided to go cold because, hey, we ain't got shit. Can't find shit. Can't find the man. We can't find him. So that's it. So two years later, on June the 7th, 1994, on the exact date, that Katie was unalived, Sharon attacked her classmate, a 13-year-old classmate with a knife in the bathroom at her comprehensive school just because she fucking felt like it. The girl had a punctured lung after being stabbed in the back and she almost died, but she did not. The only reason that Sharon was stopped was because some people came into the bathroom and broke up the shit and basically saved homegirl's life. And according to homegirl that got stabbed, she said that Sharon was smiling and laughing and happy during the attack. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. <laughs> In the words of Michael Jordan, fuck them kids. <laughs> it's that mine. Um, <laughs> is that mine? So Sharon was immediately arrested and she was taken to the jail for a psychological, psychological evaluation because she needed it. Um, and during the process of her evaluation, Sharon tried to strangle two staff members. 
Sharon. It's not funny. It's, it's just, you said it so, like, like, you know, she tried to strangle. She tried to strangle. She did. <laughs> okay. It was wild. <laughs> so, because of her erratic behavior, Sharon's charges were then increased to two more charges of bodily harm. She was sentenced to two years of arbitrary detention, but she was sent to the all-boys section at the secure center due to her violent behavior. So they didn't even put Sharon with the the girls. They put Sharon with the boys because... <laughs> That's not funny. Sharon had to go with the boys. Sharon was a bully ass, okay? Big body. But she, it is a weird part. She wasn't even like big body. She was little bitty. Like, she wasn't even... But Sharon, Sharon was... Sharon was about that. She was on violence every day. <laughs> Staff members, strangers, anybody can get it. Anybody can get it. Maybe that should be a shirt. Choose violence, Sharon Carr, because she did. So, in September of 1995, she was transferred to a place called Bullwood Hall Young Offenders Institution. And the staff believed that they could better control her aggressive and sexualized behavior in there. Now, while they were like um, going through her house and all this stuff, they found a diary that Sharon had kept in her house. And she had wrote in it on one day. She said, I am a killer. Killing is my business and business is good. I was born to be a murderer. Killing for me is a mass turn on. It just makes me so high that I never want to come down. Every night, I see the devil in my dreams, sometimes even in my rear, but then I realize it's just me. Sharon. Sharon. You're 12 years old, girl. Matter of fact, excuse me, you're 13, 14, 13, 14 at this time. What? I just have to breathe out heavy on that. So, during a random phone call, with Sharon and her uh, family, Sharon decided to talk about Katie's murder over the phone. And she also decided to write about it in her jail diaries. Sharon, at which point also, developed a crush on a prison officer and started talking talking to him about what she had done to Katie. What? You had got away with it. And not only did you tell a correctional officer, you told somebody over the phone in a recorded line. Because I'm sure in the 90, in 95, they still had recorded police lines. What are you doing? So homeboy immediately went to the higher ups and said, hey, bro, this, this, hey, I don't, this is the information I got. So the police go and take all Sharon's journals, all these things. Detectives question her for 27 hours. And each time Sharon gave three different statements. But the central theme in all the statements was that she did repeatedly stab Katie. And this is another confession from her diary. She said, I brought the knife into her chest. I really wish I could um, do an English accent right now. (laughs) She had her eyes closed. I repeatedly brought the knife in her. No, sorry. I repeatedly bring the knife near her because she is pleading with me. Although I don't want to hurt her, I must act violently against her. I have to go past her grace, peace, and safety. When she died, I saw her face. I can hear her gasp 
and I know she can feel her life slipping away. She must have been struggling to breathe. <sighs> Mental health matters. These Check on your kids. Check on your kids, okay? Check their phones, check their computers, check their chat logs, check their goddamn Amazon. I don't give a fuck. Check all that shit. Check their Roblox chat. All that. Because you never know what you'll see. I'm the nosiest mama in history. I'm looking at everything. I'm looking at your school notebooks. What's this mean? What's this? What's this? Like, that's me scooting through the pages of my son's notebook. Give me your phone. What? Give me your phone. I mean, all that. I'd be like, who is this? Block her. Now. <laughs> like, I don't, <laughs> I don't play with that kind of stuff. So, in 1996, Sharon was charged with the murder, of course, of Katie. And after a trial that lasted about a year, she was convicted of murder. And at that point, she became Britain's youngest ever female murderer. After being found guilty, Sharon smiled as she was being led back into the jail. And then she was given a minimum sentence of 14 years in jail. In the media, they named her the devil's daughter. So 14 years, 1996. What was the math? So, Sharon should have been out of jail in 2010. That was 13 years ago. Should have been out. Should have served her time. Is Sharon outside of jail now? No. Because Sharon don't know how to goddamn act in jail either. She's in jail fighting, stabbing people, doing all these things. No sort of rehabilitation whatsoever. No rehabilitation whatsoever. And, and, Sharon met a man whilst in jail. Who was also in jail. And this man killed his mama when he was 18 and mutilated her as well. So now they were in there together and they were like, oh, it's the love of my life. We're going to get married. So they said they was going to get married in jail. So the day before... They were supposed to get married. The courts was like, hey, just look at each other's case files. Because neither had told each other what they had done. So they passed the case files over. And guess what happened? <laughs> they both was like, oh, I can't marry you. You did something like that. I can't believe it. So they said that each other's crimes were so shocking that they just broke up. <laughs> and they just broke up. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't know but either way either way Sharon's still in jail I didn't see or find any information about her getting out at this point it's been a long time it's been a long time Sharon it's been a long time it's been 27 years it's been a long time baby you might well stay where you at don't even worry about getting out because you ain't going to know how to do nothing. The 1995 to now, and you've been locked up. And you probably in a stupid-looking jail, too. You ain't in a good, like, high-tech jail. You in one of them stupid jails. Like, you're not in a good jail. And you was housed with the boys, so they know you ain't in a good jail. Because you kind of look like a little boy, too. So, so <laughs> that in a nutshell is the case of Sharon Louise Carr. 
England's youngest and black female murderer and scene. I'm actually done. So that's the way that's how I cut that off. What if Sharon and Craig met? Remember Craig from last week's episode? Oh my gosh, him from last week. What if What if Sharon and Craig like met up? Would they be like Bonnie and Clyde? Well, no, apparently because she's disgusted by. Oh, I forgot she's disgusted by murderers as well. And he did stab people like 60 some time, so she wouldn't like him. But she was stabbing somebody in the coochie. She did. Sharon said, I'm not that kind of girl. I don't like that kind of stuff anymore. (laughs) Bye, (laughs) y'all.